friends, and it is that time again. You are tuned in to Liquid Sound, a show dedicated to music, songwriting, and the creative process. I'm your host, Gino Brand, and we are brought to you in cooperation with the Liquid Arts Network, connecting artists and communities since 2000. Today, our featured guest is David Glover. David is a singer-songwriter and former bandmate of mine. While he was in Busan, we played together in the band Eulalia, but he's since returned to his native South Africa, where he has been prolifically recording under the pseudonym Tamagotchi Jesus. On this episode, David joins us remotely to listen to some of his recent recordings, and we talked about thinking of music visually, his experiences writing and performing in character, we delve into the mystery of the dancing banana emoji, and lots, lots more. The first of his tracks we'll listen to is called Mango Morse Code, and here's David to introduce it. So this song you're about to hear is Mango Morse Code. It all started with uh, a little exercise that I I asked a friend of mine to just make a random song title. She gave me three options. One was Bougainvillea Dreaming. I can't remember the second one. And the last one was Mango Morse Code. And I tasked myself to write a song having the song title first. And this is it. Um, and are mangoes or Morse code part of the song or was it just kind of a, oh yeah. So, so yeah, it is. So the song has, I would say nothing to do with mangoes <laughs> okay. or Morse code, but what I did do as a, as a little Easter egg was place Morse code in the guitar part. So some parts of the song you hear like a did, 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 did. And that's a little hidden message right there. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think I tasked uh, my social media followers to to see if they could crack the code, which one of them successfully did. <laughs> really? She was very impressed really? with herself. Yeah. Can I just ask what the message is, though? Yeah, it's simply mango repeated over and over <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> So in a way that it, mangoes and Morse code has a lot to do with the song. <laughs> You're moving on. You're moving on today. Why can't I love you, baby? Because you're moving on
So, Tamagotchi Jesus. What is Tamagotchi Jesus, and why the name, and then and then what was the origin of the whole thing? Funnily enough, it stemmed from being in South Korea for two years and feeling like a part of my personality that was quite big and loud uh, back home in South Africa when I was was gigging a lot, touring a lot. Like I had this side of myself that was very wild and very aesthetically, I don't know, I try to be aesthetically rich and aesthetically um, different to the norm, I suppose, whatever that means. But um, I went to South Korea and I felt like I had to somehow curb that side, like curb it down a little bit. And when I came back to South Africa, I had this like need to just, I don't know, need to like output that 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 part of myself that had been sort of lying dormant for for about two years. And I couldn't figure out how to actually realize that. So it took about a year of workshopping and I came up with a name first with a friend of mine. And the name kind of comes from when I was a little kid. I mean, I don't know what your schools are like in the States, but like we, we went to like a quite religious school <laughs> where you would have a little prayer every morning. The whole school would line up and pray. And my family was not particularly religious. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't really understand the concept of praying <laughs> very, very well. I just kind of thought you could kind of uh, tap in with the phone and call God and just ask him for stuff. <laughs> so, so what I did was everyone, it was about the early 90s, everyone was getting these little Tamagotchi um, handheld sort of like 8-bit creatures. I don't know if, I'm sure it, most of you know what those are. If not, look them up. I remember, yeah. But uh, yeah, and I just really wanted one. And I remember sitting in in the early morning prayer and just with my eyes closed, quiet time for self-reflection. And I just kind of called up to God, who I didn't even know existed or not. I was just like, can I please, please, please get a Tamagotchi? And um, <laughs> I came back and told that to my parents and they were just, well, they fortunately enough were in hysterics and, and were quite nurturing about it. But they did tell me that's not what what most Christians would, would deem proper and right. <laughs> <laughs> It's not yeah. how it works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's where the name came from. But it's also supposed to be slightly arbitrary. I wanted to tap into the internet aesthetic, something rich, something different. And kind of the name sparked the character. And while I was workshopping the character, not, still trying to find his voice, I came across the the sunglasses that are in every shot, in every video, and that was kind of a lens that, or a film in which I could tap Dave, Dave Glover out, and and sort of like lock into to who Tamagotchi Jesus is or wanted to be, I guess. So, yeah, the glasses are a device to kind of get into character, I suppose. Yeah, okay. yeah. I did want to ask, like, if that was a persona that you wanted to bring out while you were in Korea. Or if it was like too abstract of a concept for, you know, for you to feel comfortable about presenting to the local audience. Right. I didn't I, realize that it was something that kind of came out of your almost tamping down that side of your personality while you were here. Right. That's, yeah, it is interesting because when I look back, there were parts of, I guess, Tamagotchi Jesus in my previous band. 
like wearing wigs, wearing makeup, dressing outrageously, wearing glasses. But it was very surface level. And I don't think Tamagotchi Jesus would have been born without having to suppress a little side of my of that side of myself, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was definitely a product of coming back home and trying to re-engage with that side of myself. So are there things that you find easier in terms of creative expression when you're, when you're working under a different identity? Like, are there chances that you might not have taken if you were recording under, for example, just David Glover? Right. That's a great question because it is something... That was one of the the main reasons that drew me to 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 playing a character is that I, as David Glover, have no uh, accountability musically, creatively. I don't have to attach my name to this thing. It's it's such a surreal experience because I definitely felt this like release of any of David Glover's insecurities about music or or what other people may think of his music. And with Tamagotchi, I could just, I could do anything I felt like. There was no genre uh, that was too far away. There was no um, sort of like exploration that was off limits. And what I started to feel for the first time, perhaps ever musically, like a complete freedom. And it was during lockdown, which may have also been part of it, but I just felt... I felt, I suppose you could describe it as being high, like just completely immersed in the music and just buzzing every day. (laughs) Yeah. And did you feel like you had like a big creative output while that was happening? Like, did it tap into something where you felt like, oh, now I can really make a lot of different kinds of music that I wasn't doing before? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really, it was really like that. I mean, I remember... I remember releasing like a track a week. Like, so that would be from inception to laying down tracks to mixing, mastering, releasing, as well as sometimes a video. It was obviously a very basic video, but it would be the whole package in a week. And it was starting to really get to a stage where I was almost baffled by the whole experience. It, it, uh, and granted, it hasn't sustained because I don't think it's <laughs> that's quite sustainable. I just had the luxury of time alone during mm-hmm. lockdown. And I think the creative inspiration, it kind of all lined up at the right place at the right time. So, yeah. Um, I think that alignment and with that kind of buzzing that high, it it can't last forever, which I've realized. Um but I think the foundations have been have been laid. Yeah. So, like, if I were talking to Tamagotchi Jesus right now, do you think Tamagotchi Jesus would be saying the same things to me? You know, that's a that's a very good question because um, I would like to say no. I would like to say that he has his own voice. He has his own persona. Of course, mm-hmm. if you're getting into any character play, there's always going to be this this duality this this part of yourself as performer in in this case dave glover as well as uh the character tamagotchi jesus and there's going to be a tussle and what makes a really good character um from what i've found over the years is when there's that authenticity of the performer i.e dave glover 
but letting the character take flight. And the more you let the character take flight, the more authentic that character will seem. But it kind of has to come from a real, a real place, you know? Yeah. So like when you're, when you're writing nowadays, do you, Hmm. do you think you're going to continue with Tamagotchi Jesus or is it David Glover has like, I know it's one in the same, but it's also Hmm. a couple of different, like there's a split there. So do you think you're going to continue as Tamagotchi Jesus or as David Glover or as both? I think at the moment, pretty much solely invested in, in Tamagotchi Jesus, perhaps because of the kick I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. creatively and and collaboratively as well i'm i'm getting a lot of people uh to work with and for some reason this uh project lends itself quite well to that so i think for the moment yeah tamagotchi jesus is the primary focus mm-hmm. that collaboration aspect is kind of interesting that you said that you feel like the people are are reaching out a bit more i wonder if it's mm. that you know if you're in a character that's almost more approachable than if it's just a mm. you know a person, right? Yeah, I I actually I mean I feel like you you've hit the nail on the head maybe because I haven't thought of it personally, but um, I think it is more approachable. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think the people certainly. I mean, it seems that way. People people I don't even know seem to feel confident enough to reach out on social media, and it's a wonderful thing because a lot of I felt it myself personally when wanting to just, I've wanted to go up to so many musicians that I've seen play or heard of their work and just say like, man, I'd love to to make music with you. But there's something often that like stops one from doing that. It can feel a little bit vulnerable to just walk up to someone. What if they say no, you know? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I certainly felt a, di- a difference with this character. So maybe you're right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so to kind of shift a little bit how how do you make time for creativity like is there a a time of day or a time of week where you feel most inspired or perhaps Mm. like a place or a a mood something like that yeah um well i wish i knew exactly what those things were (laughs) because i think i would tap into them more often but um Mm. there's a guy musician i got into recently about a year ago called benny sings I mean, I really like his stuff, um, but I saw an interview of his where the where the interviewer was kind of asking him, "What is it like to just have such like creative genius flow through you, or like just with the songs, do they just come to you?" And he's like, "No, I'm I'm a working musician. I wake up at eight, or I, or I, I start working at eight, and I finish working at five. And he said he's just focusing nine to five musically." And what that kind of, it was quite sobering for me who always used to ride the the creative flow state, if you will, you know, like if it's just, it comes to you, it comes to you, which I think as musicians, we've all felt it's quite a lovely space. But I started to try and resist the urge to, ju- to just rely on on that, on the mood, on the the inspiration, the sporadic inspiration. So I started waking up at seven, drinking a cup of coffee, and forcing myself to sit down and do something musically. And more often than not, that would actually inform the flow state that, I've, that I always search for. I mean, sometimes it fails, but it was, it was quite a, a surprising exercise. That's really interesting, man. So like, it's, it's almost like creativity needs to be created, but there needs to be some kind of push from the creator to, to make it happen, right? 
Right, yeah. And I think you were asking about, is there a, a mood, a type of place? And what I found was the more, I mean, sometimes you wake up and you're just like, I don't really feel like opening up um, the project file and start like laying tracks. You just don't feel like it. Um, but I, what I found that if you get into the routine of it, almost like exercise, it becomes easier and easier as the sitting down and the opening of a project or laying a track that kind of that creates the structure and then all of a sudden it really does start to uh, support and in, and inform the creative process well i always i always like to ask guests about their early songwriting memories like what what first mm. got you into writing songs or or making music that's, that's strange i mean i listened to one of your previous podcasts and that question was asked and it it Flew me right back to my first, my earliest memory of writing a song, um, mm -hmm. and I, yeah, I, that one did just come to me. Um, I was sitting on the coastline of South Africa, Eastern Cape, which is quite a beautiful, beautiful space. I feel very privileged to to have access to that kind of a space, and we were staying at a friend's house, and we were about to leave, and I had my guitar there, and. And I only knew like three chords at the time. And I think I only used two <laughs> for this song. <laughs> um, but it's a song that I still play to this day. Um, whereas many of my other one songs that came after that kind of didn't carry on. Um, but yeah, my earliest memories of songwriting was just not being too hard on oneself, I suppose. Because you're going to make songs that are are pretty average. In fact, more of them will be average than the, than the great ones. Mm -hmm. And it's, you just got to accept that it's kind of part of the whole process, you know, like they can't all be great. <laughs> and so that's kind of a liberating feeling to, to accept and go into music writing like that. And I had that very early on, perhaps because my mum was a musician herself. I don't know. I'm not, not sure. Oh, she is. Okay. Yeah. She's a music teacher. She plays piano, uh, she plays recorder, flute, she does vocal stuff. But yeah, she's not, I wouldn't say like a performing musician. She's more like a a teacher, an educator, if, if you will. <laughs> but there was always kind of music around the house when you were growing up, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, always music going around. And I mean, I tried my hand at just about everything because my mom was a, a music teacher and nothing stuck um, I mean, it was clarinet, piano, recorder, um, and it took it took me till I was sixteen to actually really pick up an instrument properly, and that and that was the guitar. And then that just felt right. Yeah, it felt right, and I'm not sure if it felt right because I wanted to seem cool. I wasn't a very cool kid. <laughs> I just, um, um, or if it was because I wasn't pressured, or I mean this. The guitar was the first instrument that no one had told me, like, give it a spin, give it a try. Like, I just kind of picked one up. And maybe it just felt like a very special engagement. It was on my own terms. And I think maybe that also helped a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'd love to listen to another track. Um, could you tell us about Miami Vice? Sure. Um, it's an instrumental tune. Right. And I'm assuming that it's named after the the old tv show that's right yeah it's it's um so when i was a kid <laughs> i used to come home from school and south africa used to have um television 
in the 90s, they used to get television from the States that came out in the 80s and or late 80s. So we got Ninja Turtles, a whole bunch of other stuff. But I used to come home from school and Miami Vice would always be playing. And just visually, um, it was just so visually rich. It had fast cars, pina coladas, you know, Miami skyline in the 80s, 90s, you know, like it was just super cool. And what I wanted to do was create that in a feeling or a mood in a song uh, with no vocals and just try and capture that kind of, that aesthetic, I suppose. Yeah, so this is Miami Vice. I did want to ask like do you most of your recording is this like home recording that you're doing or are you working with somebody in a studio yeah so all the recording is done by myself um which was very nerve-wracking at first i bought i decided to take the plunge and buy a an audio interface like uh, a little focus right um and i feel like that's something that i should have done a long, long time ago, because <laughs> I'm kind of having to make up for lost time. But uh, I don't know if you've ever done any recording just on your own. Um, a bit, yeah. It's always yeah. nice when somebody else is is twiddling the knobs. <laughs> yeah, so that's so intimidating, right? <laughs> but do you ever feel sometimes that? Uh, I mean, and I've worked with some great engineers and great uh, producers. 
Um, but sometimes I feel like uh, either I'm holding stuff back or holding back my ideas or suggestions because I feel that I clearly don't know as much as them within the production side of things. Um, so what I feel is having done it on my own with no one else in the room, I get to try all those ideas. And at the end of the day, maybe my mixes and my masters are not not as tidy as some would like. The actual arrangement and the final product I'm usually more happy with. So mm. that was a big learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, you studied art in school. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And I just saw the video that you had made for Stingray. And we'll include a link for our audience to check out that video to get some context here. But um, there's really some fun, like bizarre imagery and some costume work and even a very sweet looking dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's Bismarck. Uh, So where did the like, where did the concept for that video come from? The concept for the video, I'll I'll be honest, it wasn't premeditated. I have a very good friend, Francois Knutzer, who's quite, in my opinion, quite an established artist internationally even. And he went to art school with me a few years ahead of me. And he was in town when I was trying to like shoot this video. And I just asked him to come down to help hold the camera. And he came down with three full body suits. Um, as you can see in the video, it's, I mean, they've, they're so visually rich and so interesting to look at. And so I felt very privileged that he let me use his artwork in my video. Um, not only that, he was also quite influential in directing some of the shots. And uh, I also had Tato Lasoro there, who was uh, performing in one of the body suits as well as filming. And so there was no real concept, but Sometimes I like to leave the links to the songs and the videos quite ambiguous, or even within lyrics themselves, quite ambiguous. I know what what I was trying to get at, um, but I also want the audience to kind of dip in on their own, from their own perspective, their own viewpoint, you know. If I'm trying too hard to project a message, sometimes it's kind of forcing the audience a certain way. Mm. Um, Yeah. I guess kind of on that topic to pull the curtain back a bit, like you say Mm. your lyrics in the song, it says, feel a little sad sometimes, feel a little mad sometimes too, but I had it all since before I was born. So why do I feel sad? And why do I feel mad too? Like Mm -hmm. what, I mean, it's a question that you're posing in the song. Yeah. Right. But you don't really answer the question. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, I love the way that you, (laughs) that you kind of finding these little, these elements, because I'm never sure if I'm being too, like I said earlier, ambiguous or subtle, but basically that open-ended question, from my perspective, and especially in my South African perspective, uh, the context of living here, I don't know how many of your viewers know about the complexities that go on in this country, and um, we are a relatively new democracy, you know, 25 years old, and what what first came to be when I was about five years old was this kind of afterglow of democracy. Um, everyone was talking about the rainbow nation. It's a beautiful, happy space. Um, everyone's equal, you know, we don't see color. And it was a utopian fallacy, much like the American dream was way back. And 
what's happening now is we're still seeing the ghosts of an oppressive regime that was only was still in power 30 years ago. We're starting to see the complexities of what's happening. For example, uh, we talk about white privilege, and I know in the States you, you guys are having similar discussions there. But basically what this song is about is I have I suffer from feeling low sometimes, like anyone does. Like, you know, we all have our ups and our downs. And at the time I wrote that song, I was feeling quite low. But then I was also feeling jaded because I, I realized that I also have had it all. And I've had it all since before I was born. So we're talking about historic privilege. And I know some people don't like to get very political with their work. And I wouldn't even say this is very political. It is just a conundrum I found myself in of realizing that I don't actually have it that bad, but yet I'm still feeling sad and mad, you know. And it's that that open-ended question is meant to stay open because I don't know the answer to that. And there perhaps is no answer. So yeah, that is actually, if you're asking about the meanings of things, that's the conceptual meaning from my from my perspective. But I suppose anyone could read it how they wish to. Yeah, and I think anybody could, you know, relate to that to that feeling too, or not anybody, but a lot of people could relate to that feeling too. Well, that and that's the thing. So that ambiguity is, I mean, like the South African context stuff that I brought up. Not everyone's going to have that experience, but that's why the ambiguity is essential because I feel a little mad sometimes, feel a little sad sometimes too, but I've had it all since before I was born. A lot of people can relate to that on some level. So that's just from my specific context, but hey, yeah. Feel a little sad sometimes, feel a little mad sometimes too, but I had it all since I was born. So why do I feel sad? Why do I feel mad too? I've had it all since before I was born. I had it all since I was born. 
to why do I feel sad? Why do I feel mad too? You, you kind of mentioned this when you were talking about Miami Vice and mm. from studying art. Do you tend to think of your music visually while you're making it or does that usually come later? I, don't, I suppose I don't really know the answer to that, but I think I've mentioned it like a few times while chatting to you is this term of visually rich or aesthetics. And it is because, yes, I, like, I think of music with a visual element as well. And these days, a lot of the time, we don't even just listen to music, we watch music. We have YouTube, you can like, there's spans of music videos out there. And nowadays, the art of the visual side and the art of the music can so often live cohesively, that nowadays, all I do is think of the the project as a whole. So it'll be the song, the lyrics, and the video. And sometimes the idea of the video precedes the idea for the actual song and so it's kind of it it kind of floats between the two which is also quite nice for me it kind of keeps me on my toes (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well you did mention that with your band that you were playing with you did kind of have a bit of of character or persona that you would play right sometimes when you were when you were performing with them and then that kind of led in a roundabout way to your current uh, personas Tamagotchi Jesus, and also um, being in lockdown and then not having that opportunity to perform. So instead mm. making the audience, the internet, as you said, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess, I yeah, I guess I'm kind of wondering like where, where do you see it all going? Like, I, you know, hopefully at some point this will all be over and we'll be able yeah, to, yeah. to live our lives or whatever again. But mm. The things that you have learned from this are obviously going to be something you carry with you, right? Right. Absolutely. So I guess I'm kind of just wondering, like, in what ways do you feel like things have changed or that you've grown or that your approach to art and music has has shifted? Yeah. Well, I guess to sort of, I guess, precursor the answer to that is that um, I would definitely... Like things have changed. So Tamagotchi Jesus, this project has never seen the light of day, as it were. It's never, I've never performed um, in front of a live audience, but I feel like there's so much scope for it to be to be something like that, like an actual performance piece. Um, I mean, the character, the art background, um, the music. I just yeah, it screams live music. It's just really interesting how. It hasn't had the chance to do that yet. But in terms of growth, it, it has been a good a good thing. I think you mentioned, you were saying, how, how, how do I see 
myself having grown over this time. And on a musical level, I feel like I've grown because I've taken a step back from the thick of it. You know, when you're touring a lot or playing a gig every every week or every second week, you you, you kind of fill up your your musical engagement space. So when that's more quiet, I found that I've had a lot more time to think about what kind of music I want to make. And it gives me a lot more time to think about the songs I am making. So that has been a very good uh, learning, a good lesson learned, I suppose, is to provide myself more space. When things do finally get back to, I guess, quote unquote, normal, I need to find time for for myself. Like, yeah, I would say that's kind of the long answer to your question. Yeah. Do you so? Do you think you will perform in that character as Tamagotchi Jesus, or do you think it'll kind of stay as a uh, an internet only phenomenon, or is that to be determined at a later date? I mean, I would love. I'm a performer. <laughs> that's that's what I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where I'm most happy. Um, so yes, I would love to perform uh, under under Tamagotchi Jesus. You know, um, I would love to have a full band. I would love to have people playing all the all the lines. I don't want to just have a backing track. I want it to be, I want it to be loud. I want it to be big. I want it to be fun. So yeah, that would be the ultimate goal. I think looking into the future, if the future is allowing for more live performances, that's kind of what I will start gearing myself up towards. And but. To carry on from that, I still think the internet presence for this project is crucial, and that will always, always be there. I suppose that was kind of a a different thing for you to cultivate uh, more of an internet following or more of an internet energy with mm. this current project, right? Rather than right. just like grabbing your guitar and go going to the you know the nearest venue and and playing in front of a bunch of people, right? So. Yeah, what was that like? What did you learn about that and and how did you find to make that successful? Right. So, yeah, that's a that's an excellent question because um for some that whole internet thing is easier for them, you know. I can't speak for you personally, but as a musician, I kind of rested on my laurels and knew that I could just pick up a guitar and kind of pull people in quite easily because I mean, you know, People love to see musicians playing live. I love it. You know, it's it's quite a engaging thing. And what often happened was that I would just leave the internet out of the equation. It was just too exhausting for me, and I I just didn't really want anything to do with it. But being forced into it, I learned like I learned crazy lessons that I suppose some millennials or, or youngsters would would kind of laugh at me <laughs> when I, I downloaded Instagram for the first time. And I, I remember phoning one of my friends and being like, dude, how do I make a story? <laughs> yeah. Like, and how like, do hashtags work? Yeah, exactly, man. And like, I was like, how do you, I saw that like story you had the other day, you had a little like dancing banana next to your face. How do I do that? Like, <laughs> like so, so oh, that dude, was a learning. I still haven't cr- figured out the dancing. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. No, that's that's next level stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was like the kind of that was kind of where I was at um, on the socials side of things. But what I've seen now, actually, a very sobering thing. A friend of mine, he was like, "Yeah, I like what you're doing with the Tamagotchi thing, but you need like a an image manager 
you need someone to like manage your the stuff you're putting out because it's just it's weak he's basically saying and he meant it sincerely and quite um came from a good place and so i really took that to heart and i was like how am i going to to up the production value and that that kind of mantra that i've been saying to myself up the quality up the quality it's kind of filtered all the way down and and back to even the filmmaking side of it the music making the recording and so it's funny from the engaging with the internet side of things and for one to make it there to get like responses it needs to it needs to stand out it needs to also look good it needs to sound good so yeah that's kind of how that is filtered through my whole my whole creative process hmm well it's so interesting you say that cuz i just i got this idea you know when you were talking about like as you know as musicians as performers we it's almost like we compartmentalize like there's a certain time of day when i am performing right and i can go mm. in front of people and i can just nail it because i know how to do that yeah but now we're kind of living in this world or at least in social media world it's like we're constantly performing you know it's like yeah. you know, everything has to constantly be you know the quality has to go up and up and up and it's yeah I can understand why people get pretty stressed out about it. You know, it, it, makes it sense. is quite stressful. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. Um, yeah. And they say, I mean, I did some research. You need to be on it. It's like a full time job. You need to be mm. on your social medias, like your various ones, all the time, posting stuff, keeping the engagement um, up. And I'm still, I'm terrible at that. So I will have like a flurry, and then I'll pull back. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm still not cut out for it, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. Maybe we'll we'll exchange tips though as we go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Can show me how to work out the dancing banana. <laughs> the dancing banana, yeah. <laughs> right on. Oh. Well, I guess in terms of performance, we usually do a live performance when we're in the studio, and I'd love to have you here so we could. Oh, jam I'd love a bit, to be but, there, man. Yeah, yeah. Or likewise, I'd love to be in South Africa because I've never. Never been there, and I've always you should, wanted to go. You should come, and I know I threatened you with a with an offer uh, before I left, and I, that still stands, by the way. Okay, I'm, yeah, I will be there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we will have a song here that we performed together back when you were in Korea. It's called "Dark Glow," song that I really loved playing, uh, a song of yours. So, uh, so tell me about the song. Yeah, uh, this is "Dark Glow." It's a song of two halves that strangely enough intersect. Uh, it's a love song between two people who, from their social, political, and racial standpoint, feel that there is tension put on their love from from the society they live in. Uh, the second half of it is from, I guess, the narrator's voice, who comes from a position of um, privilege, talking about the white bread that keeps him well-fed and the old money that he doesn't think is funny, but I guess he'll never be able to escape it. This was recorded with Gina Bran, uh, Mike Ventola, Leah Barbeda, and myself. Hope you enjoy.
Turn the lights out, honey, if you really want to know for sure Turn the lights out, turn the lights out Dark glow Turn the lights out, honey, if you really want to know for sure Turn the lights out, turn the lights out When I was just a little baby Mama put me on her knee and said, hey, Davy Learn to love You got the white bread Keeping you welfare You got the old money, honey And I don't think it's funny Got the white bread Keeping you welfare You got the old money, honey And I don't think it's funny Got the white bread The white bread I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Liquid Sound. We'd like to give a big thanks to David Glover for joining us today and sharing his music. If you would like to hear more of his music, he can be found on SoundCloud, YouTube, 
or you can follow him on Instagram at TamagotchiJesus. And we will, of course, include those links in the description notes of this episode. For upcoming info about the Liquid Arts Network, you can find us at liquidartsnetwork.com. If you or someone you know would like your music featured on our show, let us know via email at liquidsoundpodcast at gmail.com. Please do subscribe to the Liquid Sound Podcast, share the show with your friends, and if you haven't yet, take a moment to give us a review and a five-star rating. It really does help listeners find us. On behalf of everyone at the Liquid Arts Network team, we thank you so very much for listening today. And until next time, support independent music, support your local arts community, and support each other. And we will be seeing you very soon. Jen, take it away. But I think I'll read more. He's pretty and light and yeah. From there the conversation took